many of us have developed skills in embroidery, sewing or knitting and thought in an idle moment, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could earn my living doing this? It's a question everyone who makes things faces. I love this, but could I make it feed myself and my family? Welcome to Haptic and Hugh's first series of podcasts, which looks at textiles and cloth of all kinds down the centuries and thinks about the often hidden hands that make them and the role they play in our lives. I'm Jo Andrews and I'm a hand weaver and a broadcaster. And before you ask, haptic means the feel of something and hue describes the pure spectrum of colours. Craftsmen, they say that you have to be master of their materials and master of their tools. You mustn't let the tools or the materials rule you. And then you will produce individual things that are beautiful, that work and that people would want. That's Janet Phillips, the teacher and weaver, who's marking 50 years at the loom, half a century in which one way or another she successfully earned her living as a hand weaver. That's a remarkable achievement in an age of mechanisation when fabric can cost literally pennies to produce. What I try and do is work on solid design principles. I've had clients that come and ask me to weave things in colours, for instance, that I completely dislike. And I think, how am I ever going to do this? But I follow clear design principles and it's well woven and, and, and invariably I end up like, liking the piece afterwards. And, rip, and it's because it's just been well designed. The proportions are good. You know, the structures are interesting. It will work. Janet, who's affectionately known by her students as the Queen of Structure, is publishing a new book this autumn. In her life, she has taught hundreds of students and reached thousands more through her books. Her career reminds all of us, whatever we make, that earning a living can be done, even in a sector which has undergone several dramatic revolutions in past decades. This podcast looks at how Janet has done it and what lessons makers, whatever their materials, can draw from her practice. It thinks about what sets her and other designer makers apart from those of us who practice craft entirely for our own enjoyment. And it asks, what do we need to do to make items that are original, beautiful and functional, rather than just the same as everyone else's? Janet's story begins in Scotland in 1968 with a chance outing for a teenage girl who was, by her own admission, picky about her clothes. It was fluke in the way uh, my grandparents came to stay one summer and we went on a, a day trip out from Edinburgh and we went to Galashiels, which is um, of course 30 miles south of Edinburgh, and we visited the mill of Burnett Klein, who was in the late 60s really revolutionising the Scottish tweed industry. And I just found his mill so exciting. There was so much colour and so much wonderful fabrics and 
this notion in your head that maybe you could earn your living doing this. This was like, you know, it was just 16 year old thinking, whoa, you know, I didn't know this existed or, or all these fabrics that I've been so fussy about and contemplated how they were made or, or that I could make them. And um, next door to Bernard Klein's mill was the Scottish College of Textiles. So I decided I wanted to go there. And if you don't know Bernard Klein's work, look him up. His use of colour and his willingness to push the boundaries of what was possible resulted in some of the most iconic high-fashion tweeds of the 1960s and 70s. Fabrics that decorated almost every catwalk of the day. His work led Janet to enrol on a four-year course in weaving. And from the first moment she sat at a loom, she knew she had found her path in life. Oh, I just loved it. I just loved it. I loved every single second of it. And it's like everything. When you know what you're doing, it's not difficult. I mean, it's either up or down. It's either showing or not showing. It's just not actually complex. There was no question in Janet's mind that she was being trained as a professional weaver. Ah, now you've got to realise I was entering an uh, an industry. You know, there was no question for my parents that this was a a trivial thing to do. I was going to work, I was being trained to work in a mill to design fabrics. You know, this was not, I wasn't going down the sort of hand-woven route here. But it didn't turn out like that. When she graduated, there were no jobs. So rather than her expected career in a mill in Scotland, she found herself on the train to London, with a job designing coating and suiting fabrics for one of the fashionable women's wear chains. For a young woman in her very early 20s, it wasn't easy. And when I was 22, coming out of Gala Shields, I looked like a 12-year-old. I'm very small, I'm petite. You know, who knows what it was, but I used to have to wear an awful lot of makeup, and then I might look like I was 14. And I was dealing with mill owners in Yorkshire. I couldn't do it. I was too young. She stayed three years and learnt a lot, but industry wasn't the right place for her. So she bought herself a 16 harness hand loom and set up as a commission weaver working from home. Well, I was married by this time, so my in- I had a shared income, right? I happened to be living in Henley-on-Thames in South Oxfordshire, so I was in an area of the country with people who appreciated beautiful things and maybe had a bit of spare money. I was also one of... There was no other weavers doing it. There was nobody about. There was almost no competition. So, you know, you weave something, you go to a craft fair and you get an order and they tell their friends and you get another order. It, It just happened. She makes it sound easy... But Janet's training means she brings a professional eye to her work, which sets her apart from many of us who weave for pleasure and maybe hope to sell some of it on the side. It was no mistake that in these early years as a commission weaver, Janet made rugs, an item that people understand is often handmade and which, crucially, they are prepared to pay money for. I need a design brief. I need to know what I'm weaving for. I need to know where it's going to live, who's going to be using it. And that then gives you so many answers. Virtually everything that you look at, for me, I look at things, I, uh, maybe I just see weaves in everything I look at, but that's how my brain works because I've been doing it so long. But I can see a shape in something. I just look at something and I can see a shape. And once you can see a shape, 
you can design it. You, you, can, you can weave it. Because weaving is really just two shapes, a black and white picture. And the black areas are one quality of weave and the white areas another quality of weave. It's this approach, combined with a lifetime's understanding of the structures underlying cloth, and a passion that her pupils should be able to make original, functional fabric, that makes Janet a rigorous and gifted teacher. In Oxford, there was a community education class that had been running since before the war. It, they had this sort of porter cabin which had about 50 looms in it. And the lady who'd been teaching it stopped and they were looking for uh, somebody to teach these classes. And it suited me very well. Um, my youngest daughter was about three, so she was still at home. So every Thursday morning and every Thursday evening, I taught a community education class in Oxford. There were 18 students in the morning and 18 students in the after evening. And we had a wonderful time. She did that until all community education classes were stopped 20 years ago. Then she began teaching at home, commission weaving and, crucially, writing. Janet had published a book in the early 1980s, which had done reasonably well. But her book, Designing Woven Fabrics, published 12 years ago, has now sold several thousand copies, an achievement for a weaving book. It was a departure not just for her, but for weaving textbooks as a whole. Many weaving instruction books work like cookery books. Do this and do that, and you'll produce a dish that pretty much looks like this. And for most of us, this is enough. It's a joy to be able to reproduce a good cloth, even if we don't quite understand how this has come about. Janet wants something more for her students and for the wider weaving community. So many books describe weaving in terms of what the loom can do, in terms of threadings and liftings. But I like the weaver to be in control, not the loom to be in control. And therefore you've got to take that step back and look at ends and picks. And so for designing woven fabrics, I constructed this multiple section sample blanket, which allows you to explore a weave structure on the loom. And it's the process of sampling on a multi-section blanket which is key both to Janet's own weaving practice and to her teaching. It's what sets a designer apart from a practitioner who follows a recipe someone else has created and thought through. What Janet is doing in her books is encouraging all of us to be designers of our own cloth, writers of our own stories. You can very well start from a, a recipe. And, but once you've got your recipe, as you do when you're cooking, if you don't have the right ingredients, you might change it with something else, or you might accidentally burn it one day and find actually that made a much more tasty meal. So creme brulee. It's, so it's all about taking something that is maybe classic and developing it, breaking all the rules, if you like, that the book will always tell you, and my book is telling you, that, but you can break rules if you're prepared to sample if you're prepared to have a play, if you're prepared to explore. So I would take a pattern from a book, take the threading and the lifting sequence that is given to me. But while I'm sampling it, I'll have maybe five or six other possible threading plans or colour proportions or yarn types adjacent to it. So then you can start weaving the pattern that's in the book. And there it is, that first sample on the right-hand side. But while you're weaving, you say, well, why don't I change the order that I've been given these lifts. So you do a little section of that. 
And then you think, well, why don't that pick that's weaving plain weave I make green instead of blue? And you weave another bit. And then you'll find that usually 99% of the time, very attractive patterns are coming up. Sometimes the pattern is absolutely awful. This just doesn't work. But that's fine. This is a sample. It doesn't matter. You'll also find that all these other sections that you've been weaving on come up with things that you would never have been able to even contemplate before. And so you suddenly get patterns that relate to each other, adjacent to each other. So you're not just weaving one idea. You can actually weave several different patterns on the same loom. Most people who are skilled at a craft, particularly weavers, get upset about mistakes and feel it reflects badly on their skills. But what Janet is saying here is that to discover new weaves and designs that you like, you have to abandon set ideas and experiment. It's just exploration. It's, it's exciting. The sampling bit is really exciting because you can't go wrong with your sampling. That's the beautiful thing. You can't make a mistake. The only mistake you can make is not to try something. Once you get it onto the loom and you're weaving a finished product, then that's a different mindset. While you're sampling, you can only gain by making mistakes. So people who feel they're very new to weaving you know, come up with 150 patterns so simply, so easily. And they know exactly how each pattern is made. And therefore they are immediately in a position where they think, yes, I can do something that's unique to me. Janet spent eight years sampling on a four-shaft loom to produce the weaves for designing woven fabrics. Her new book, which has just been published, is called Exploring Woven Fabrics. And yes, it has taken her another eight years of sampling, this time on an eight-shaft loom, to produce the designs for this book. Well, it's for people who, again, are very much beginners. As long as you can make, put a warp on and um, thread a loom and get it going, you'll be able to weave all the sample blankets that are, I'm giving you. I mean, very specific instructions in how to thread and how to weave it. Uh, once it's on the loom, of course, you can do what you like. And you will hopefully think of different ways of exploring my sample blankets to come up with yet different uh, ideas. Janet has reached an age where she wants to pass on what she knows. Unlike many makers who guard their hard-won knowledge, she wants to share it. The books are part of that effort, but the work that has gone into them has also informed her own practice. I get these sample blankets and I wash them, of course. I, I spend a lot of time just looking at them. That's the one thing I've learned in my life of weaving is a minor change makes a big difference, which again is why you sample and why you do these multiple section sample blankets, because a minor change will make a huge difference. And more than that, after 50 years in front of a loom, she has an ability to marry structure and colour in a way that is producing a startling array of original work and a series of fresh designs, in which she is extending the vocabulary of weaving. This isn't a matter of greater complexity, better machines that create more intricate work. Instead, it's a focus on simplicity and a willingness to perfect that work, which goes far beyond anything most of us attempt. There's also a sense in which Janet, as a maker, is only just getting into her stride as she approaches her 70s. There is one other book in me, and um, again, writing the books and passing on my knowledge does seem to be an important aspect of my weaving at the moment. I have got so many ideas in my head, and I don't think I've got enough time 
in my life to actually make them happen and I still find it fascinating um, so hopefully I'll keep going until your 90s I'm looking forward to that This episode of Haptic and Hugh was written, narrated and edited by me, Jo Andrews. Many thanks to Janet Phillips for sharing her life as a weaver with us. You can find show notes at hapticandhugh.com forward slash listen, where I provide a complete transcript of this podcast, a list of resources and background reading that you might enjoy, and a link to order Janet's new book. You'll also find blogs and other information about Haptic and Hue there and a form to enable you to get these podcasts directly in your inbox. Next time we're off to Paris. Yes, really. I went there just before the first lockdowns were introduced in Europe in the spring. In what proved to be the last days of our old lives before you know what, changed everything. French haute couture with its extraordinary creations and its role in leading global fashion has been with us for over 200 years. But in the next podcast, it's not the frocks, the catwalks, the supermodels, or even the undoubted environmental costs of this big business that I'll be focusing on, but instead the hidden hands that lie behind the industry. The embroiderers, weavers, seamstresses, hat makers, lace makers and pattern cutters whose skills make all of it possible. Come with me to the streets of Paris and find out more next time. And thanks for listening.